Good afternoon, everybody. Today is Monday, December 16th. I am your host, Nate, and I want to welcome you to the off-season update. This is a new baseball podcast powered by Slab Stocks. I am very excited uh, for what we have in store. Would like to get this to be a weekly thing. Depends on how busy the off-season is. We'll try to get some interviews and stuff like that in there. Um, but I'm very excited for what we have in store coming up with this new series. It should be a weekly series. And uh, we'll just, the plan is to get into what's happening in the offseason, talk about it, talk about the guys, talk about their potential, um, and then maybe get interviews with interesting people or whatever to talk about baseball, um, fellow card collectors, uh, guys like that. Um, so I'm very excited. Again, that's the third time I've said that. I've been wanting to make a baseball podcast for a while, haven't got around to it. Hopefully this is the start. So today for you, I have a number of different things. We're going to go through the offseason so far. There's been a ton of stuff, super, super busy. You know, Madison Bumgarner just got signed yesterday. Corey Kluber got traded yesterday, those types of things. So we're going to go through, I've got 12 things written down, 12 interesting things that has have happened so far. The first couple are trades, um, and then we have some signings, and then we have a minor league contract at the very end for you. So uh, buckle up. Going to be a lot of information coming your way. Going to be some hot takes from me, um, and uh, we'll see how you guys like it. Let me know. Uh, DM me or whatever at the end, and let me know how you feel. So let's get into it. First off, I want to talk about some trades. So we have had a very busy offseason. It started a couple weeks ago, three, four, maybe a month ago or so. And uh, it has not disappointed. And we are now past the winter meetings, and things have not slowed down at all. It's been super exciting if you're a fan of players getting money. It's been super exciting if you're a fan of teams making trades. It's been less exciting if you're a Brewers fan and watching your team cut salary left and right, which is what Aaron and I are. So, but the first trade that we I want to talk about today is actually the Brewers. And it was Zach Davies and Trent Grisham for Eric Lauer and Luis Urias. Um, a very interesting trade on multiple fronts. Number one, you got Zach Davies. He's the vet. He's the surefire pitcher that the Padres are getting back in this deal. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get five to six innings a game. They're not going to get a ton of strikeouts, but they're going to get a guy that commands his pitches very well. He commands the zone well. He sequences his pitches very well, and he's going to get you like probably a 3-7, ERA with 165 innings. Um, perfect back end of your rotation guy. Uh, very useful, nice to have. He had a 3.55 ERA last year for the Brewers. It was it was nice to have. But that's not the guy we want to talk about. The guy we we want to talk about are Luis Urias, Trent Grisham, and Eric Lauer. I'll start with Eric Lauer because he's the less exciting of the three, and he is a pitcher, lefty, junk baller like Zach Davies. Um, interesting year last year. Had a 4.45 ERA, which is not great. But not terrible, 150 innings. The interesting thing about him is that he threw eight innings in Colorado and gave up 17 earned runs. 
If you take out those eight innings and 17 runs from his stat line, his ERA drops to into the three six, the three sixes, which is much much better in 141 innings. A three six something ERA is nothing to sneeze at. It'll be interesting to see how he does on the Brewers because the Brewers have always had good uh, pitch framing catchers, good defensive catchers. Yasmani Grandal is gone, and Omar Navarez, who is one of the worst defensive catchers in baseball, is in. So Manny Pena is going to have to catch Eric Lauer if you want him to do well. That being said, you know, he's not the exciting piece. He's not the guy you're trying to go after to uh, in investments and cards here. So we're not too concerned about Eric Lauer. From a Brewers standpoint, I'm excited. He's younger than Davies. He has more te- years of team control, and he's a very similar pitcher. If I can get four more years of Zach Davies for the next two years of Zach Davies, I'll take it. Uh, moving on, we're going to go into Trent Grisham because he's the lesser of the prospects, I guess. I really like Trent Grisham. He's a big walk percentage guy. He's always running you know, 14 15% walk rates in the minors. He had a 10% walk rate this past year in the majors, and he was always running lowish strikeout rates, uh, 20, 21% in AA, 17% last year in AA, 13% in AAA. He is very interesting, too, in that he was the 15th overall pick out of high school. Right away, he was a top 100 prospect. They said he was the best bat in the class. He had a funky grip on his bat. He has thumbs up like a golf club instead of uh, thumbs tucked away. And he said it gave him more control, uh, more bat control. Now, the Brewers switch him in his first couple years in the minors. They try to make him swing more normally. He did poorly. He still walked a ton, but he did poorly. He wasn't getting to his power or anything. But then last year, he switched back, and he got to a ton of power. 13 home runs in AA in 63 games, 13 home runs in AAA in 34 games, 6 home runs in the majors in 51 games. So good eye at the plate, uh, big home run power, all right defender in the outfield, doesn't have an arm, probably is going to be a left fielder. But a decent defender, nothing nothing too spectacular by any means, but not going to be a liability either. Um, so a, a on-base machine with power and decent fielding out of left or right field, I'll take that. Uh, that's a great piece for the Padres to get. I wanted him in our left field and moved Braun to first base. Not going to happen now. But in return, we got Luis Urias, who is obviously the most exciting prospect in this deal. Uh, A ton of Padre fans were very upset with giving him away. Obviously, you're always scared when a team seems like they gave away a player for really cheap, which we will get into in the Corey Kluber deal later on this podcast. Seems like they gave him really cheap. A lot of fans were upset, and anytime fans are upset and the front office isn't, that's probably a big red flag that maybe Luis Urias isn't as good as we're thinking. But, you know, we'll see. Now, Luis Arias is obviously, he has been playing second. He can play shortstop. The Brewers need him to play shortstop because I don't think they're going to want Orlando Arcia back there again. He's probably going to shift into more of a utility role. So Luis Arias needs to play shortstop. He's not a great shortstop by all uh, accounts. But if he can, with the Brewers' propensity for shifting, you know, they don't need spectacular middle infielders. Um, so he he can fake it there or even just be decent there. It would be huge for the Brewers because of his bat. Now, Luis Urias is one of those weird guys that you get a lot of guys because their hit tool is so low, 
their raw power is big and their gain power is much lower. Say they get a 65 raw power, but they have a 55 gain power because their hit tool's a 50 or a 45, something like that, uh, on the 20 to 80 scale. Luis Urias is the other way around. They gave him a 35 raw power on Fangraphs, but a 45 future game power. And that's because his hit tool is a 65 future. He is unbelievable hit tool, a pretty good eye at the plate walk, walk rate-wise, doesn't strike out a ton. So those are nice things to see. I'm a little concerned that he will be, like last year in AAA, he had a great year, 19 home runs. He's never showed that power before. So it's tough to say what is going to come of that. Um, but I am very curious. With the move to Miller Park from San Diego, Miller Park is a home run hitter's haven. You would never have known that Christian Yelich was a 44 home run hitter or whatever he had last year. Um, nobody would have seen that coming. If Christian Yelich can hit a bunch of bombs, anybody can hit a bunch of bombs. Luis Urias definitely has the contact. He now has the park. Um, he's a shortstop now for sure. He's not going to play second. Keston's at second. He's going to play shortstop, so he's got position. He's got park to to uh, up his power, and he's got the hit tool to be a great, great star. If he gets there, remains to be seen, but he has a ton of pieces going right for him on the investment market. So I'm super excited about Luis Urias. I can't wait to watch him and Kesson here for the next six years together in the middle infield uh, should be a very exciting time for Brewers fans. All right, moving on, we've got trade number two of the offseason, not necessarily of the offseason, but trade number two that I want to talk about, and that was Hunter Renfro and Xavier Edwards for Tommy Pham and Jake Cronenworth. Uh, I don't really want to talk about Jake Cronenworth, not too concerned about him. It's all really about Hunter Renfro, Xavier Edwards, and Tommy Pham. We're going to start with the Padres' return for the deal, and that's Tommy Pham. They just got Trent Grisham, a big-time on-base uh, percentage guy with some power. They got a lot more of the same in Tommy Pham. He's got power. He's got on-base percentage. He hit 273, 369, 450 last year with the Rays, good for a 121 uh, WRC+, plus, which is 21% better than league average. That's spectacular numbers. Uh, you know, very, very good. You'd love to put him in your outfield, and now they got him for another corner outfield spot. He plays right, Grisham plays left, or he plays left, Grisham plays right, and they've got some high on base percentage guys in that lineup, which is a nice change from the Hunter Renfro and Austin Hedges uh, type of days. Um, so a good get from them. Obviously not like an investment opportunity for you guys. So we're going to move on to Hunter Renfro and Xavier Edwards. Hunter Renfro, we just talked about. Huge power. Huge, huge power. Walks a good amount, but strikes out a ton. Not much to say from him. He hit 216 last year with a 289 on base and a 489 slugging. The year before that, he hit 248 with a 302 on base percentage and a 504 slugging. So you're not getting on base percentage. You're getting strictly power, which is nice if that's what you're going for. I'd rather have Tommy Pham in my outfield. That being said, they also got Xavier Edwards, who, though uh, Blake Snell, I think it was, called him a slapdick prospect. Uh, Xavier Edwards is no small get. He's a ni very nice player. He doesn't have power at all, 
but he's got a future 55 hit tool and 80 top of the line speed along with being a, a decent fielder if he's a second baseman with 80 speed and 55 hit if he can just slap the ball around get on base get steals uh, draw a few walks it could be huge in high a this year he hit he had a 6.5 percent walk rate and an 8.8 k rate good for a 301 average 349 on base and a 367 slugging which was exactly league average wrc plus for high a was 100 um you know his was 100 and 100 is league average you would like to see more power obviously but if you can slap the ball around get on base use that speed and play a decent second base that's a nice prospect uh the rays don't really need any more second base prospects but you get him in the system you try to develop him maybe you can trade him later at the very least he's probably in two win player which is nice to have. You can always have a ton of the Brewers do this team depth where they just average player you to death, and uh, that's what the Rays are doing in this trade, kind of. So I like Xavier Edwards. I don't think I'd invest in him from a card standpoint. Uh, Number one, he doesn't have any cards. Number two, when he does get a card, and I assume he will, he just doesn't have the power to sell. But from a baseball standpoint, I like the trade. Uh, for both teams, Tommy Pham's a nice win-now player. Hunter Renfro can give you some help in the outfield and be a decent major league player. And then Xavier Edwards gives you that future performance that teams like, especially small market teams like right. the Rays. On to trade number three, we have Zach Cozart and, for, and Will Wilson coming from the Angels to the Giants. You'll remember Zach Cozart as a... Good defensive shortstop from the Reds, who had a career year at the age of 31, ton of power, got signed by the Angels that offseason, was terrible, and then was the first year, his age 32 season, and then last year, his age 33 season, he was injured, and in the like 12 games he played, he was also extremely, extremely bad. It was almost worth a negative win above replacement in like 12 games played. So, Zach Hozart, bad. Obviously, this trade was to get Zach Cozart's $12 million owed next year off the books for the Angels because then they went and used that money on Anthony Rendon. It's an interesting trade for the Giants. On one hand, you're hoping you can maybe get a bounce back from Zach Cozart, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, but he's really had one really, really good year, a couple decent years, and a bunch of bad years. So I wouldn't expect it in his age 34 season. The interesting get here, though, is Will Wilson. Wilson was the 15th overall pick in this last year's draft in the first round. Um, the Angels' top pick. He's a second baseman slash shortstop, uh, college college draftee. He's interesting because he's probably not the 15th best player, or guaranteed not the 15th best player in the draft. Fangraphs gives him a 50 hit, 45 game power, 50 raw power, 50 speed, 50 field, and 50 throwing future values. There is nothing above average there. And one thing slightly below average, and that's game power. Maybe it plays up to a 50, and he's just average across the board. He's going to be one of those guys that you are hoping is some of the parts is greater than, or, you know, all of the parts are greater than the whole type of thing. So you're hoping that everything added together makes a decent Major League Baseball player, but he's never going to wow you in any one aspect. Not going to hit a ton of home runs, not going to hit for a huge average, Probably not going to get like giant on-base percentages or giant slugging percentages. 
isn't going to play a spectacular defense, but isn't going to be bad at any of those things either. So I don't know exactly what to make of it from the Angels' perspective. On one hand, I don't really want to give up my first-round pick for getting off $12 million, but again, he probably wasn't your classic first-round pick. Maybe they realized they made a mistake. On the Giants' side of things, it's an interesting get, but you're probably, you've probably just got yourself, for $12 million, a two-win player in his prime, which is good, which is nice. You need those guys to fill out your roster. You want a bunch of two-win players to go along with your stars. You know, if you've got a Christian Yelich or a Buster Posey or a Ronald Lacuna, and then you just don't have any weak spots on your team, you just fill them out with two-win players, you can be a really successful team. So Will Wilson is that type of guy. Nothing too spectacular about him. I wouldn't invest in him unless he somehow shows a ton of power production or something like that or hit tool increases. But for me, Will Wilson, not a guy to invest in, but definitely an interesting trade for the Giants and probably worth $12 million just to get him and see what happens. And don't forget, you get a year of Zach Cozart, which isn't worth nothing. Um, just trying to see if he can get a bounce back. And if he doesn't, you release him. And no big deal. All right, moving on to trade number four. We've got Dylan Bundy for the quartet of Kyle Bradish, Isaac Matson, Kyle Brnovich, and Zach Peake. All of these guys are, I don't know, 35, 40 future value guys. Not a ton of upside there as of right now. But, you know, you hit on one of them, and you're looking really good. The Brewers did this a couple years ago with Adam Lind. We traded for three 18-year-old kids. One of them went by the name of Freddie Peralta. You'll know Freddie Peralta from his decent start to his MLB career. Uh, looks really good in the bullpen for the Brewers right now. Has had some rough times as a starter. Can throw his fastball four different ways, which is uh, nice. Worked really well in Coors, his career, first career game. He had 12 strikeouts in his first career start, which is... Uh, really good, and I had bought an orange auto of his before the start for like 80 bucks and sold it for $200 after the start. I literally had it for like five days. So, you know, you can capture lightning in a bottle every once in a while. Um, what's interesting here is that these guys, these guys are all kind of similar throwers. I was looking at a Fangraphs article, and they all have similar arm slots. Um, similar pitch repertoires. So the Orioles definitely went for a quantity over quality and also a type here. Got nothing more to say about them. Let's move on to Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy is obviously the big name here, former first-round pick that's dealt with injuries and somewhat ineffectiveness over the years. He threw 161 innings this year to a 4.79 ERA with a 4.73 FIP. Uh, 9.02 walk Ks per 9 innings and a 3.23 walk per 9 inning. The Orioles don't really have a good defense behind them. The Angels have a much better defense now with Rendon and Andrelton Simmons and Mike Trout and David Fletcher. So they are much more uh, a good defense for a, team, for a pitcher. The Orioles not as much. I mean, the Orioles employ Chris Davis for Pete's sake. So it'll be interesting to see what Dylan Bundy does, but he's just not an exciting pitcher right now. So we'll move on. 
Number five on my list, we've got the big trade yesterday, the trade that kind of shocked everybody, Corey Kluber for Emmanuel Clase, or Class, C-L-A-S-E, I don't know how to say his last name, and Delino DeShields. You'll know Delino DeShields, he was a former Rule 5 pick for the Rangers, had a really good rookie year, and then he's just kind of snuck around the edges of their roster for the last couple of years. He's all right, good defender, not much else to say about him, somebody to stick in their outfield, I guess, stick on their 40-man roster and shuttle between AAA and the majors. And then Emmanuel Clase is the guy that is the big get, I guess you would say. He's a reliever for the Rangers last year. He came up from AA. He never pitched in AAA through 23 innings, had a 2.31 ERA, averaged like 99.4 miles per hour on his fastball, and got his fastball up to like 102, I believe, uh, even had a 101-mile-per-hour cutter, which is obscene. He's the big get. Obviously, relievers are valuable. It's interesting. You know, he's just a reliever. You never know if he just falls off the map. They're obviously valuable, but that kind of speaks to Corey Kluber's value in that they're going for Brandon Marsh from the from the Angels, who's 50 future value. The Angels said no, and they settled on a reliever. The fact that nobody was willing to top this screams that the entire industry is probably down on Corey Kluber, which is kind of sad because Corey Kluber's been amazing for years. Uh, but he has been trending in the wrong direction. His hard contact percentage is trending up the last couple of years. His soft contact percentage is trending down, which is, which is I mean, trending down. Uh, yeah, trending down, sorry. His soft contact contact percentage is trending down. His hard contact percentage is trending up, something you do not want to see, and his velocity is trending down. Along with that, his strikeouts per nine innings is going in the wrong direction, and his walks are going in the wrong direction. So he's clearly not the pitcher he was when he was winning Cy Youngs. That being said, if you can get, you know, he had a 5.80 ERA in 35 innings this year, got injured, was out for the year, was probably pitching injured, so you can't really make anything from that. In 2018, he had a 2.89 ERA in 215 innings. I don't think you're going to get that again, but maybe you can get a high 3 ERA out of him, mid 3 ERA out of him this year, and then you have an option for him for 17. It's 17 million this year and 17 million option for next year. Probably worth it, and I'm actually kind of shocked that a team like the Brewers didn't try to get that contract. So it's, it's uh, Corey Kluber and Indians fans have found themselves in a weird situation where you expect Corey Kluber to fetch you more than that, and then the whole world found out that he clearly wasn't as valuable as we thought, and I bet a ton of fan bases are upset that we, you didn't get your hands on him. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he comes back, but Emmanuel Clase or Class and Delino DeShields feels very, very, very weak and light return. Along with Corey Kluber, going moving away from trades for a second, the Rangers have had a crazy, crazy offseason. So they obviously just traded for Corey Kluber. They have Mike Miner. They have Lance Lynn. And now they also signed Jordan Lyles and Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson obviously was not great. He's a year removed from a 3.62 ERA in 196 innings. He had a great year. Last year, he only threw 160 innings. He had nine, nine Ks per nine innings, which is nice, and 
walks per nine innings, which is all right. It's trending down from the year before. But he threw a 4.84 ERA, a 4.26 FIP, um, was worth 2.6 wins above replacement. We're not going to dive too more deeply into the numbers here. Ran a much higher BABIP, I guess, is uh, one last point I'd like to point out than the other year. Getting him in there in the Rangers, they have done really well with Mike Miner and Lance Lynn, so hopefully they can do well with Kyle Gibson. So that's a nice get. If he's your fifth guy in the back of your bowl, or if he's your fifth guy, that's really nice. Jordan Lyles, you'll know him. He signed with the Pirates, had nine really good nine really good starts, and then had nine really bad starts, and then got traded to the Brewers and basically carried the Brewers to the postseason. Um, was incredible. You know, not much else to say. If he pitches like he was on the Brewers for two years, sixteen million, the Rangers got a good deal. If he pitches like he did on the Pirates, two years, sixteen million, that's fairly releasable. I don't think they're going to be too concerned about the extra millions if it doesn't work out. So I like that deal. Uh, now their rotation is fronted by Corey Kluber, Mike Minor, Lance Lynn, and then you got Jordan Lyles and Kyle Gibson to eat innings. Not bad. I like that. I like that rotation. Uh, they didn't get Anthony Rendon. Um, they could probably use Josh Donaldson, but they have apparently out of his price range. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, what they do with offense. But their pitching rotation is good. So uh, exciting to see that from them. Exciting to see a team that was out of the playoff race, you know, make some moves, spend some money to get better. Number seven on our list, we've got Nomar Mazzara, Rangers outfielder. They traded him away to the White Sox for Steel Walker. Nomar Mazzara is obviously, he's 24. He's outfielder. You've heard about him. Hit 268 with a 318 on base and a 469 slugging. He is what he is. Lowish averages, low on base, a decent slugging. Um, should hit you like 20 home runs with enough playing time. Doesn't walk a ton, but walks a decent amount. Doesn't strike out a ton. You know, I he's just not exciting. Hits home runs. Uh, is a below average defender and gets low on base. Steel Walker, on the other hand, is the exact same guy. Has a ton of power, has a low hit tool, won't get you any bonus for fielding. So you basically traded no more Mazzara now for no more Mazzara in the future. Steelwalker is definitely the type of guy that I probably wouldn't invest in. He's been doing well. He hasn't struck out a ton. He walks a decent amount. But you're still probably going to get low average, an all right on base, and an all right slugging. It's what it is. Steelwalker, no more Mazzara. Same guy. Um, that is a trade that happened. Doesn't really move the needle any which way. But Norman Massar is probably like an average player, and the White Sox need those guys to fit around their uh, young core. All right, so those are all the trades I had for you today. Let's move on to a couple uh, big-time pitching contracts uh, that have been made this offseason. Obviously, I'm talking about Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, and Zach Wheeler. You'll know Steven Strasburg signed first. He signed for seven years, $245 million. Uh, a huge deal for the Nationals to get him back. It'll be interesting to see how the Nationals do this next year. They won on the strength of their pitching with Scherzer and Corbin and Strasburg. I'm happy to see them back. They obviously didn't re-sign Rendon. 
They lost Harper the year before. They've got Juan Soto, but their offense is definitely not going to be the same. So their they're starting pitching is strong. If they can get some relievers in there and just really go with the pitching train, I think they could probably win another championship. That's how good their starters are. They obviously need some relievers. They don't have any right now that are very good. But if they could get some in, that'd be huge. Just really go pitching depth team and hope that Juan Soto can carry your team, basically. I mean, you've got Juan Soto. You've got Carter Kaiboom coming up. You've got Trey Turner. Not bad. Victor Robles. Not a bad group of guys, but you really don't have that cleanup hitter, that 3-4 combination or that 2-3 combination. you got Juan Soto, and after that, it's kind of hit or miss. Uh, Howie Kendrick did really well last year, but he's going to be 38 next year, so you don't know what's going to happen there. Um, so I would like to see them get some relief pitchers in there and just go full bore on the on the pitching side of things and then just hope that Juan Soto and Trey Turner and Carter Kaiboom and Victor Robles can be enough uh, for your offense. Obviously, Juan Soto is great. So that's the Steven Strasburg deal. I think it's a great signing for the Nats. He's been very good. I think he will continue to be very good in the future. $35 million a year is a lot, but you want to win. The Nationals just won a World Series because they're starting pitching. You can't give that up now. All right, moving on to Zach Wheeler, who signed for five years and $118 million with the Phillies. Moves to a division opponent, which is always interesting, so to speak. Uh, he signed, he's obviously a pretty good pitcher, 3.96 ERA and 195 innings, 31 starts, 9 Ks per 9 innings, which is right in line with one per, one, one per inning, 2.3 walks. We won't dive too much deeper into the numbers, just know that you know, anytime a guy's throwing 98 as a starter consistently, people are going to bet on upside. And the Phillies are betting on his upside here. He's going to be 30 through 34 by the time this deal is done. They're hoping to get more out of him. We'll see if it works. I don't think I would have personally given Zach Wheeler five years, $118 million. But I'm not the Phillies GM, and they need pitching. And then leaving the big fish for last year, we got Garrett Cole to the Yankees for nine years, $324 million. Obviously, this is a record amount for money per year at $36 million, um, annual average value there. Huge deal. Huge deal for the Yankees. Huge deal for Garrett Cole. Huge deal for baseball. Garrett Cole was obviously incredible last year. Throwing a 2.50 ERA in 212 innings with 326 strikeouts having 114 more strikeouts than you had innings pitched is incredible and that is why that right there is the reason he got 36 million dollars a year it'll be interesting to see what happens to his card prices obviously moving from the astros to the yankees he doesn't have he didn't have astros uh, team cards, it was Pirates uh, for his prospect autos and his update cards. So moving to the Yankees will probably only benefit him. They're already a great team. Putting him at the front of the rotation, if he can lead him to a World Series, I expect a big boost in Garrett Cole prices. So that's exciting. That's one of the guys, most of the guys we've covered, there hasn't been huge expected boosts out of them. Uh, maybe Luis Urias and now uh, Garrett Cole. So Garrett Cole, huge deal. Huge deal for investors, huge deal for baseball fans. Uh, it's exciting to see.
Right. Number 11 on our list, briefly cover the Rendon contract. He signed for seven years, $245 million. This is exciting if you're an Angels fan and exciting if you're a Rendon fan. On the, on the Nationals, he was always kind of overshadowed by Bryce Harper. You know, Bryce Harper has a very big personality. He's going to be overshadowed, even though he was an amazing player for years. He finally got his due last year, placed third in MVP, was a World Series hero for them, though he wasn't MVP of the World Series, playoff hero too. Uh, performed really, really well all year. Had a 1,010 OPS with a 153 OPS plus, which is 53% better than league average on the year. And he has had a 130 or better for the last three years straight. Adding him to the Angels, we'll see what happens. You know, he became second fiddle to Bryce Harper. But Bryce Harper's a much more boisterous personality than Mike Trout is. So maybe Anthony Rendon can finally get his due if he is able to help Mike Trout and lead them to a World Series or a playoff berth at all. Will be interesting to see what his prices do. I expect maybe a slight boost because of the big contract, getting name recognition in there, getting name recognition for the World Series last year, getting third and MVP vote. We could see a we could see a nice boost from him. Hopefully that he is enough to put them over the hump and he doesn't just become a long line of Angels signings: Josh Hamilton, Albert Pools, C.J. Wilson, that are disappointing from the get-go. The last thing I want to cover today is Evan White and his six-year, $24 million deal. If you're asking yourself, why is that important? It's because Evan White hasn't played a second in the majors yet, and he has already secured himself $24 million in the future. It screams of Jonathan Singleton, or John Singleton, who was an Astros first base prospect who signed a five-year, $10 million deal, I believe. Uh, numbers are a little hazy right now. It was a while ago. He never made the majors, and so he secured himself $10 million without being very good, which was nice for him, even though he got raked through the coals at the time because he was a top prospect. We'll see what happens with Evan White's deal. Obviously, it's really nice to <coughs> excuse me, make sure you get $24 million at least in your lifetime, um, so I can't sneeze at him for making that deal. But we'll see if he regrets it. He's obviously a very interesting prospect, one that the Mariners really like because you don't just give $24 million to a guy who hasn't played if you don't like him. He's a first-base prospect, good bat, above-average bat, hit tool anyways, but probably below-average to average power, which is kind of a bit of a drawback if you're a first baseman. And then he has above-average speed and plus-plus fielding and defense at first base. I would actually like to see him move maybe to center field if he has the he has the speed. I'm sure he could have the defense for it, and if not that, maybe a right or left field where the power isn't as important and his speed and defense can play a bigger role than first base. But he's a very interesting prospect and very interesting that he got six years and $24 million before even playing a second in the MLB. And if you're interested, um, I've talked about a few guys tonight that I like I like potentially as investments. You know, Evan White, obviously, Luis Urias, Garrett Cole. So I was going to cover their prices just a little bit here so you can see where they're at. And Evan White currently is around $28 to $30 for a base auto, 
$40 for a refractor, so not a bad price. Already pretty high. I think he could go a lot higher if he moved positions. He's a very interesting player. He hit in double A last year, 293, 350, 488 slugging, which was good for 32% better than league average. Only struck out 23% of the time and walked almost 7.5% of the time. So Evan White's a nice player. His card prices aren't too high, but you know, if he's a first baseman, if he's a light hitting first baseman, 30 bucks is probably the edge of his range for Bowman cards. But if he can move to the outfield and let that speed and that hit tool play, I could see a higher ceiling for him. Luis Urias, uh, talked about him earlier in the podcast. He's around $30 for a base auto. Also, he's definitely interesting in Milwaukee. Could be a huge get for the Brewers and could be a huge get for you guys if his power plays up in Miller Park. If he shows he can make solid contact all the time, he could be a very, very interesting player out of shortstop in Miller Park with a good hit tool. Power comes along, especially because he's playing in Miller Park, it could be huge. Now, if they get rid of the MLB baseball, and we've talked about this a lot if you've been listening to us for a while, if they get rid of the MLB baseball and bring it back to the 2017 baseball, not this baseball that gave up a ton of home runs last year, he'll be less valuable. But so will almost all players in the MLB. So will Trent Grisham. So, interesting there, but $30 for a base auto, it could be a huge, huge steal if he plays up in Miller Park. And then lastly, we talked about Garrett Cole and his ability to be on the Yankees now and pitch well, maybe bring him to a World Series, what his cards will do. And his base autos from 2012, Bowman Chrome, his last one went for $150. Obviously, $150 is pretty outrageous for a pitcher. You never know what's going to happen. He might throw a slider wrong next year and just completely blow out his arm. But, you know, maybe also he is worth every single penny that the Yankees give him, lead him to a World Series, and we're looking at $150 and saying that's way too low. So you never know. Or also, maybe I'd look at his Topps update cards. Um, always a good way to get some money, Topps rookie update cards. People don't love pitchers uh, for the most part. But, you know, when you're one of the best pitchers of all time, people might make an exception. I don't think so, though. They're kind of the weird ones where it's a sideways card. Uh, Fernando Tatis may run into this problem later where people don't like grading sideways cards because then you really have to have the card standing up sideways so that the PSA 10 label can be straight on or the PSA 10 label has to be lying on its side. Either way, it's a weird situation. So, you know, I don't know about the Topps update, but the Bowman Chrome could be a decent buy. And it could also be, you know, one bad pitch away from wasting $150. We don't know. He could be one bad pitch away from the Yankees wasting $324 million. So there's our update, our offseason update part one. We will try to update you guys every couple of weeks um, with offseason moves, and I'll try to get a weekly baseball podcast in here. But with offseason moves, try to update every couple weeks so you guys can keep up with what's going on and you can kind of keep up with who I think might be good investments and who I think might be bad investments because of their moves, stuff like that. I hope you guys enjoyed part one of our offseason update. Uh, Look forward to making many more of these. Look forward to getting guests on so it's not just me talking for 40 minutes. And then lastly, I know I said this was Monday. I started recording it on Monday. We ran into a lot of things throughout the day, 
and I got sidetracked a million different ways. So while I'm finishing on Monday, I'm finishing on Monday night, so you won't be hearing it until Tuesday. Sorry about that, but I hope you all enjoy and look forward to the others. Uh, the rest of the week, we've got a podcast coming out on Wednesday, should be a NFL pod, recap podcast. Um, we'll see if Aaron and I can get to a joint podcast at some point this week. Maybe it will be the NFL recap. Aaron is done with school now, so he should be able to jump on a podcast, hopefully. And uh, otherwise, we have all of our regular Instagram posts, content for you. And that should be it. So thank you for listening. I hope you all have a good rest of your Tuesday, not Monday. And uh, I'll talk to you again next time.